So Colossians chapter 3, we're going to go to there just in a couple of minutes. But um, whenever I came back from the men's camp out, one of the things that uh, I noticed is that uh, I smelled like campfire. I'd been sitting around the campfire quite a bit, so I had to wash my coat, my pants, everything, uh, so I could get the smell of campfire off of it. How many of you all have ever noticed that whenever you're real close to something that smells, you kind of smell like it after you get through uh, smelling? I mean, no. Whenever you get through being there, you smell. There you go. I'll be able to say it in a minute. Um, Folks, this morning, I believe that there's something that's taking place in the in the church of Jesus Christ that is uh, uh, needing to be addressed. If if I could do that this morning, because sometimes I think we get a little bit too close to the world. That's my opinion. I think sometimes we don't even realize how close we are to the world. But this is what I will say to you. If the world had an odor, okay, I think sometimes we would smell like the world. Amen. Are you all there with me? Okay, that's that's easy. So this morning, I want to talk about sometimes how we get a little too close to the world, how sometimes that the world influences perhaps a little bit too much. And so I I want to use the uh, the analogy of a flood. Uh, obviously, uh, here in the mountains, it would be very difficult to flood some of the places, but there are places in the United States of America that are pretty flat, and whenever rivers get going, I mean, they just spread out, and they just flood everything that's around them. The Mississippi, one time I went over the bridge uh, uh, going across the Mississippi, and the water was spread out for miles and miles and miles. It had flooded farms and flooded houses and flooded entire communities. And the thing about the Mississippi is it's kind of a lazy river. It's not like some of the rivers we have around here. And so oftentimes it floods kind of slow. In other words, you know about the flood before it even the river even gets to you, if that makes any sense. Uh, radio and the television are saying, listen, man, we got the water going to crest two days from now because they're sending a whole lot of water from the state of Montana down the M- Missouri and from the state of Iowa and so on. Are you all there? And so you know the flood is coming before it ever even gets there. But whenever it gets there, the water just begins to rise so gently, you know, an inch today, two inches tomorrow, three inches, you know, and it just begins to encroach on things that are very valuable to your life. I mean, pretty soon it's in the garage and pretty soon, you know, the chickens are swimming and pretty soon, you know, it's in your house and you're taking your furniture up to the second floor. Pretty soon, you know, your television's floating and you can't watch the Packers get beat. And, you know... Not have said that because that's political. But you know the thing about floods is people who are being flooded, this is what generally happens. They usually go for higher ground. They all move towards higher ground. Folks, if you rescue somebody out of a flood, you don't take them to a place that's lower than where they just came from. Amen? You take them to someplace higher that the water has not gotten to yet. Higher ground. You see, whenever a flood comes to your community, the one thing that you will see people doing is seeking higher ground. And this morning, here in Franklin, we may not have flood water, but I will tell you this. There's flooding going on in the streets of Macon County, even as I speak. And you go, really? I didn't know it rained that hard. That's not what I'm talking about. You see, I believe the streets of Macon County and the communities that are all around us, even down in Georgia, 
I believe the streets are literally flooded with drugs and alcohol and crime, and, and the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, folks, you can't hardly pick up the newspaper. You can't hardly go anywhere in town without hearing about some horrific thing that's happened. And it's not just the streets of our community. You see, any time that you turn on anything that brings information into your house, whether that be the Internet, whether it be the radio or the television, folks, our airwaves are absolutely flooded with wickedness. I mean, seriously. Stuff that used to be against the FCC's regulations, like, you know, there was a time whenever a television show couldn't even show a man and a wife sleeping together in a common bed. Ricky and Lucy used to sleep in twin beds. Are y'all there? Because that was what had to happen in order for television to be clean. Does that make sense? Folks, we have gone a long ways in the wrong direction. We are experiencing a flood today. As I minister to the youth, one of the things that I hear from the youth is how they live their lives. And I can tell you some of the things I hear from those kids burns my little ears. I didn't even know things like that were possible whenever I was their age. Does that make sense? And now they're living right in the middle of it because, you see, there's a flood. This flood is inundating. And so this morning brings me to my text, and that's Colossians 3. Let's begin reading at verse number 1. So Colossians 3, 1. This is the Apostle Paul writing to a, a church full of believers. And so this is what he says to them. And I would have liked to have backed up a little bit, but I think it's too much text for today. So we're going to begin at, at verse number 1, chapter 3. It says, it says, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ... Set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in a place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you have nothing to do with sexual immorality impurity lust and evil desires don't be greedy for a greedy person is an idolater worshiping the things of this world because of these sins the anger of god is coming you used to do these things when your life was still part of this world but now is the time to get rid of anger rage malicious behavior slander slander and dirty language don't lie to each other for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your creator and become like him in this new life it doesn't matter if you are a jew a gentile circumcised uncircumcised barbaric uncivilized slave or free christ is all that matters and he lives in all of us since god chose you to be whole to be the holy people he loves you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy kindness humility gentleness and patience make allowance for allowances for each other's faults and forgive one another who anyone who offends you remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. 
Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. Let the message about Christ in all its riches, richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom He gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So this morning, here is several verses that the Apostle Paul wrote to this church that tells us kind of how we should be not of the world, but totally different than the world. Because as these floodwaters, if you would, began to migrate from community to community, to, to state to state, ultimately to the world, it's going to get a lot of people wet unless those people seek higher ground. So this tells us the way that you and I come up to higher ground is we got to put our minds on the things that are above. It says, since you have been raised to new life, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Anybody ever in here besides me think about heaven? I do, man. And I, I, I hate to tell you this, but I've been thinking a lot about the food that's going to be in heaven. Really? And this is one thing that I've noticed. I've noticed that I think about what kind of food we're going to eat in heaven more when I'm hungry than whenever I'm not. I promise you, I believe that we are going to eat Mexican food for the marriage supper of the Lamb. And some of you go, no, no way. I'm telling you guys, I'm just I'm saying, Jose, what do you think? I think, I think we're going to have Mexican, I think we're going to have tamales and whew, I think it's going to be good. Put your things on, uh, or your mind on the things that above. Think about heaven, the Bible tells us. The opening verses here in Colossians 3, folks, logically, they kind of go with the last part of Colossians 2, but they remind us not to be bound by the earthly rules, the human limitations, but to be solely subject to Jesus Christ. In other words, we move up by being attached to Jesus Christ. There's a lot of evil that's around us. Obviously, there's all kinds of things that are bad. We're being flooded with them. They're creeping in all around us. And we're being literally, I, I think I think not only can you look outside the church for this, but I think you can look inside the church for this. We're being brainwashed by the world. I mean, there's so many things today that the world has kind of spit out there that the church today of Jesus Christ is now embracing. Does that make sense? I mean, we think, well, uh, you know, it's okay with the world. You know, society changes. Society changes. And folks, don't, don't misunderstand what I'm saying to you. I believe that the church needs to change culturally sometimes to keep up with where, we're, where, where, where the, the culture is. But I'll tell you this. We never compromise on holiness. Ever, never, never. We never compromise on what God has said that His church needs to be. No matter what culture says around us, we have to be people who stand out from that culture. I think we're being brainwashed by the world. I I believe that we are being conditioned 
to like what the world likes. I think we're being conditioned to react like the world reacts. Friday, whenever I was on my way up to the uh, camp out, I had somebody pull right in front of me. I mean right inches from a really bad wreck. And, man, I mean, it made my leg shake on the gas pedal as I was driving off because, I mean, it just scared the liver out of me. I don't have a liver anymore. It's just, it scared me. And, you know, I was... I was thinking back a few years, if I would have had that experience, let's say, before I got saved, the cab of my vehicle would have been full of words. And I would have probably given them a piece of my mind. Does that make sense? See, road rage today is, it's, a, it's in our culture to honk at somebody and to be impatient as you're driving. Somebody cuts you off to give them a piece of your... Folks, some of us don't have enough mind to be giving people a piece of our minds. I mean, that's what our culture is. It, it's conditioned us to act like it acts, to like what it likes, and to react as it does. And I have to tell you, that's dangerous as a Christian. In 1 John 2.15, it says, Do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. That's what it says. It says whenever we act like the world, whenever we react like the world, whenever we talk like the world, the love of the Father is not in us. Whenever the things of the world are in us, we should do the exact opposite of what the world does. In fact, in Romans 12:2, it says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable, perfect will of God. So here God is saying, man, don't be like the world. Be transformed by the world. And folks, again, set your mind on the things of God, the things of heaven, Come up to higher ground. That's where God is calling us to. Emerson wrote, Whoso would be a man must be a nonconformist. I love that. You and I have got to set our eyes to the place where we will not conform to the ways of this world. And that doesn't mean you can't have a smartphone. I'm not conforming. I'm keeping this flip phone till Jesus comes and gets me. Okay, I understand that. But nevertheless, I'm not talking about what style of phone you use. I'm talking about the evil that the world spills out there, that many times the church is tasting of it. And, and I tell you, we have to be people that do not conform to the ways of this world. With our minds set on heavenly things, we have two assurances, and these are them. Our life is hid with Jesus Christ, and when Christ returns, we are going to share in His glory. Folks, i got to tell you, sharing in His glory does not even compute in my mind why Jesus Christ would even do that. I mean, seriously, He's the one that gave His life for me. He's the one that bowed down and came from heaven, lowered himself to be, and, and, and literally 
uh, suffered and died on the cross. But yet he says, I will share my glory with you. The second thing that we ought to be doing, not only should be uh, be a people that, that look above, that we should always be looking up, we should be a people that puts off fleshly habits. And so this morning, I know none of us have any of those, and so I'm just going to skip this one point completely. No. The Apostle Paul lists some very specific sins that need to be removed. It says, so put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. But now it's time to get rid of anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you have stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. These things that the Apostle Paul lists here can literally be put into three different categories. Sensualism, pride, and unbrotherly division. And we must be a people who shed these habits. I mean, seriously, if I'm speaking to anybody in this place this morning, that you have a sinful habit. And by the way, there can be sinful habits that are not listed in this list. You know, if I read through this list and you go, man, I'm good. (laughs) Whoa, I made it. I'm yes. There could still be something in our lives because, folks, this is what I believe. Oftentimes we pick up these things and they become habits, habits to us. And we don't even realize many times that they are a sinful habit. But I got to tell you, whenever you begin to say to the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, reveal to me, reveal to me if there's anything in me where I'm living down here in the floodwaters instead of coming up high. You see, Holy Spirit, if I'm down here, show me, show me, Lord, those things in my life that I need to be getting rid of. And then whenever he does, oh, listen, can I just share something with you personally? I prayed that almost that same prayer one time to God, and he showed me something in my life. He said, you need to get rid of that. And I said, don't really want to. Because I like to do it. I mean, I know you guys are judging me right now, and that should not be. But it's true. I did not want to quit. I'm not going to tell you what it was. Renee probably will if you talk to her, but but I didn't want to. And so it took weeks. I mean, the Holy Spirit was grinding on me. It was like every time I knelt down to prayer, you know what I thought of? What I needed to be getting rid of, like an old garment, just throwing it off of me. I just, I waited and I waited and I waited and I thought maybe if I waited long enough, God would go away. But you know, whenever the Holy Spirit shows us something we need to get rid of, we ought to get rid of it quickly. You know what I'm saying? Instead of me hanging on and hanging on and hanging on, I knew it wasn't right. I knew I needed to, 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 to shed it, but I never, I never did. Until finally the Holy Spirit got a hold of me, sent somebody to me at an altar service in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. A young lady walked up to me and said, Pastor, I don't know if this means anything to you or not, but God says this to you. I said, okay, that's enough, God. I'm done with it. We need to shed those habits like a piece of clothing. Just come, just get it off. Whenever I was a young person, I had a fascination with skunks. And so I had several skunks that were pets. 
They didn't. They weren't stinkers. We got their stinkers and took them off. And and so skunks make great pets. They're smart and they're clean and and they'll bite the tar out of you if you let them. But nevertheless, one time we thought we had it made because we caught a mama skunk that was just as pregnant as she could get with baby skunks. And we thought, man, if we could get those baby skunks before they had their eyes open, this would be awesome. And so we put her in a clothes hamper because we didn't have enough space to have her for the first day. We we're going to build a pen in this whole nine yards. She spent the night in the clothes hamper, and the next morning I got up and I went out to check on her, make sure she's doing okay, see if she had them baby skunks yet. And I opened that clothes hamper ever so slowly to peek in to see what was going on inside that clothes hamper. And I have to tell you, I must have had my mouth open whenever I was doing this. And she sprayed. And right as she sprayed, I would tell you, the spray went into my face, all over my clothes. But one drop of it went in my mouth. And I have to tell you, that was one of the nastiest experiences I have ever had. Thankfully, all of that skunk spray that got on my clothes, it was my old clothes. And now this was back in the day where you didn't have a whole lot of clothes, period, you know, much less a whole lot of old clothes. And so my mom, she's going, I don't know if I can ever get this out. She poured a can of tomato juice on it. Didn't hardly help at all. But for weeks and weeks after that, those clothes smelled like skunk spray. I'd get in the car. My brothers would say, man, you stink like a skunk. Now, today, I've got enough clothes. If I got sprayed by a skunk in a hamper, I'd just burn them. I'm telling you, I would just take them out, and I would set my clothes on fire. I would not be wearing my clothes after that skunk sprayed on me. Are you guys ready for this? And that's the way it is, ought to be, whenever God speaks to our heart and says, Listen, I, there's something that's between me and you. And for you to come up on higher ground, means you have to put off this, this, this fleshly habit. I wonder if anybody in here would wear a skunk sprayed jacket any longer than you possibly had to. I hope you make a crossover. The next time the Lord speaks to you, says you need to get rid of that, you go, Pastor Watson, skunk spray. Man, that went in my mouth. That was bad. I still taste it today. That's why I don't have a liver. See, because we hang on to these things, these sinful habits. There is a a price to be paid for them. The apostle, the apostle Paul, in this next in in verse number six, he says this. He said, "Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming." And I've often wondered about that. The anger of God is coming. The wrath of God is coming. The one thing that we all have to realize, and please don't misunderstand me, I don't think because of one of these things we can be removed out of the hand of God and, and you know, our salvation is in jeopardy. But I have to tell you, whenever it becomes a, a prideful sin where we hear the voice of God, yet we do not yield to the voice of God, we've got a difficult situation going in our lives. But God's wrath is coming to this planet one day. His wrath is coming. And in the same way God has perfect love, he has perfect wrath as well. So there's a price to be paid. Can I just, can I just say that, you know, back in the day whenever this lady approached the Supreme Court of the United States and said we shouldn't have prayer in school? 
Do you know if the church of Jesus Christ at that moment, that day, would have said, we will not tolerate this? Are you all there with me? We'd still have prayer in school. And we would not be seeing the liberal things that we see today in the United States of America. But the church for far too long has tolerated things we should have never tolerated. Because at the moment the prayer exited the schoolhouse, the United States of America was majority Christian. Was was majority Christian. Let me just say that. Now today we're not majority Christian. We've got all kinds of other religions and we've got a lot of people that are just nothing. But you see, in the same way, we shouldn't have tolerated that. Let me just make sure you understand. God's not like us many times. He does not tolerate sin, period. He doesn't tolerate it. doesn't make excuses for it. He doesn't cover over it. He doesn't say, well, just because you grew up in a bad house, it's okay. God does not tolerate sins. And I'll be very honest with you. Many times we, we sin and we fool others. You know, we can come to church and we can raise our hands up high and we can speak the word and we can do all kinds of things. And we might be able to fool others with our sin, but we will not be able to fool, fool God. God doesn't fool. We need to live a renewed life. We need to put off the fleshly habits. And the third thing this morning is this. We not only need to put off fleshly habits, but we also need to put on the character of Jesus Christ. In the same way we take off that old fleshly habit, we throw it down, we say, man, that thing smells like a skunk. I'm never going to wear it again. We need to put on the character of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul lists all of these ways that you and I can become more like Jesus. To have the same character traits as Jesus, to be like Jesus. Man, isn't that our goal to begin with? Let me just read a couple of, uh, a couple of verses. It says, since God chose you to be a holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults. Man, do we ever. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourselves with love that binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. See, the Apostle Paul gives us this whole list of how you and I can begin to take on the character traits of Jesus Christ. Literally to live a holy life. And folks, can I just say this as gently as I possibly can? We are to acquire the traits of Jesus Christ. We are to begin to act like him. We are to begin to see the way Jesus would act and then imitate him. Amen? So how do you live this life? Well, you imitate Jesus. You find out how Jesus acted through the word of God. You ask for the help of others. Because I will be honest with you, there are probably some things that I can tell you. There's probably things that Bill and Karen Strong can tell you. There's probably things that many of the folks in this room can tell you that will help you miss some of the pitfalls that oftentimes Christians experience in their lives. We need the help of others. 
I mean, as Pastor Rick stood up here this morning and testified about Doyle Kelly, you know, Doyle Kelly was an amazing man. I wasn't around Doyle so much, but I was around his brother, who was another amazing man. Wes Kelly was a guy who had a profound effect on my life. He's gone on to be with Jesus now. But nevertheless, he had an effect on my life. He mentored me. He modeled to me. He spoke into my life. And folks, I have to tell you, if you and I are going to put on Christ-like character, we need help from other believers. It says in, in verse 17, it says, And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Whatever you do in word or deed. Let me just tell you something. That statement right there covers all of it. There's nothing that you do that's outside of that spectrum. Everything we do is either word or deed. Amen? So whatever it is, word or deed, that you and I do, it says, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. In other words, do it all for Jesus. Everything. Everything that we do. And so here, the writer of Colossians tells us, says, man, we need to put our minds on the things above. It put these fleshly habits off and put on the Christ-like character that's modeled in the Word of God to us. And whenever we do that, everything that we ought to be doing should be doing for Jesus Christ and Him alone. I think probably this room is full of a lot of people who are pleasers. You like to please other folks. I mean, I can't look around and find one person that's angry and horrible. I can see some of you that are a little horrible, but not that much horrible. I'm just joking. I mean, all of us like to be pleasers. All of us like to be pleasers. I mean, today, whenever I go home and I cook lunch, I, I really want it to please those that I cook for. You know, I mean, that's I, I want to serve something. Go, man, this is awful. I know I made it that way. <laughs> no, we want to be pleasing whenever we work for our employer. We want to please our employer so that at the end of the year, they give us lots more raise. We're there. I mean, we want to be pleasing. We want to be pleasing to our husband or our wife or we want to be pleasing but this morning, can I just say that above all of those that I just mentioned, we ought to always be desiring to be pleasing to God. That my life is pleasing to God. What I think and how I act and what I say, it's pleasing to God. And can I tell you this? I believe oftentimes we focus on the don'ts of Christianity. You know, don't do this and don't do that and don't ever do that. No, don't do that. But I will tell you, I believe Christianity is more than what we don't do. I think Christianity is far more on the side of what we should be doing than what we should not be doing. Does that make sense? And so this morning, you know, instead of focusing on all the don'ts and the don'ts and the don'ts, focus on the do's. What is it that God wants us to be doing? And, and, and involve that active lifestyle to, to serve and, and to please God. So this morning, Jared, if you'll come and help me close this. 
I really believe that this verse 17 ought to just kind of serve as a motto for our life. And whatever we do in word or deed. I mean, because that's, that's all encompassing. Whatever we do in word or deed, we need to be pleasing Jesus Christ.